Welcome to the Full Frontal Living Podcast. I'm Lisa Carpenter, Master Life Coach to driven, ambitious humans who want more out of life without having to sacrifice themselves to achieve it. I'll share how it's possible to slow down, take better care of yourself, find more peace and ease, create sustainable energy, stop procrastination and overwhelm, and fall in love with your life, your business, and your body. This podcast is for you if you're ready to learn what it takes to thrive as a high performer, do less, but achieve more, make you and your well-being a top priority, and create your extraordinary life. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Full Frontal Living Podcast, and I'm really excited to have uh, my friend and colleague Megan on today. We are going to have such a rich conversation about relationships. Uh, you know, for anybody who's been tuning in regularly to the podcast, I have been talking about how 2023 has been a really challenging year for me and it's personal reasons, not really business. That's doing its thing as it usually does. But this year I really got my ass handed to me in the realm of relationships, even going so far as to uh, call off my wedding. So Megan has also been in it with her husband, has been going on an amazing journey. I've been catching snippets of it on um, her social media. So I think today is going to be a really awesome conversation just about what it really takes to create deeply connected uh, relationships with our partners, taking you know what we think we know about relationships, marriage, commitment, and moving it into such a higher level and really looking at relationships, what needs to go into a relationship to really make it extraordinary. Like we're, we're killing the Disney princesses today. We're talking about radical honesty. So before we dive into all of what I'm sure is gonna be a phenomenal conversation, Megan, can you introduce yourself to my audience? Let them know who you are, what you do, how you serve people in the world, and then we'll go. Absolutely. I am very excited for this conversation, Lisa. And as you called off your wedding, I just recently took off my wedding ring. So we'll get into the details of that. And um, so my name is Megan. I have a business partner, Dr. Alex. So sometimes I say we, and that is because there is another person, not, not like a mouse in my pocket. There's two of us and we have the company called Zesty. So our main focus right now, we started in the holistic health space and functional medicine and helping women restore hormone health, like get back to the place they want to be. And we're still doing that. Although now we are helping coaches, practitioners, we attract a lot of acupuncturists, naturopaths, dietitians, nutritionists who, and other coaches and leaders who want to add some form of subconscious reprogramming. They know that underneath what's happening for their clients is a belief or a stuck emotion or traumatic event. And they, they've they given someone the most amazing plan, the most amazing workout protocol, the most amazing food, lifestyle, um, parasympathetic meditation, and yet... People are getting to the, either a stuck point, they're getting to, uh, they're hitting an upper level. They can only get so far. So we help people uh, through NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnosis. We train coaches to add that to their practice. And I found that for personal reasons and then added it to our current 
coaching practice at the time working with hormone health and saw people who are now taking the exact same protocol, right, Lisa? So they're, they didn't change what they were doing. We'd already tested their hormones. They're taking the exact same protocol and now it's working. And now their body is like, oh, I can receive this. I can accept this. I deserve good health. So I became obsessed and have gone into the topic highly. And we do two trainings a year, our seven day in-person, very intensive. So that is our favorite thing to do right now is get in a space where we have a container that all your stuff can bubble to the surface. And it's a safe place where, you know, you're not like just going back to your family after an hour, right? You have time and space and we've seen some crazy rapid transformation. I believe in the power of the mind and I know you do. And people amaze me every single time. It's been really cool. It is amazing. And this is why I'm such a big believer in coaching and NLP and all the different modalities, because for years, we've spent so much time focusing on people's symptoms and then wondering like why we can't get them past their symptoms, but that's all they are is they're just symptoms. And unless you look at the root cause, like what is actually, what is the belief that you're holding on to that is preventing you from getting what you want? People just keep like, you know, running their body into the wall. When I used to coach around weight loss, it would drive me crazy back in the day because it, it was never about the weight but people were so attached to the weight. And if I could just lose the weight, that would solve the problem. But then in the same breath, they would never allow themselves to lose the weight because of all the underlying stories, right? And of course I see all these different stories with my clients nowadays. I don't do weight loss stuff anymore, but just around health, prioritizing themselves. So we are like same, same. We're on the same mm-hmm. trajectory. And we know Absolutely. the of this work, which is um, phenomenal. So I want to hear more about your recent decision to take off your wedding rings. I called off my wedding. You took off your wedding rings. And like you, in my own relationship, we're really at ground zero again. We're Mm -hmm. okay. We're beginning again, clean slate, which isn't always easy to do because as humans, we love to be attached to our past history, which is important for data points, but it can really keep us stuck when we do stay attached to the past history. So I would love to hear this, this journey that you and your husband have been on and what brought you to this place. Absolutely. We, this has been not very long. This this has been a very fast, rapid journey. And I know that, you know, when you're just ready, right? Like you just hear the thing that you're ready to do. Because if I had read this book, I, I found a book. That's the short version of the story. I found a book called Radical Honesty. And, um, it was actually a friend had the book. I, it's my friend who always has the next exact next step for me. She's the one who's introduced like presence process, like, right. It was just the next thing that would open up a layer and she hasn't even read the book. Mind you, she had ordered it. And I said, I need that. I was calling me. I wanted it to read it right away. Luckily she's a great friend and she's like, you fine, take it for the weekend. And I just read through it super fast. Uh, and in the process, as I'm reading this, I am, I mean, I'm in tears. I am just feeling so understood or seen and also, um, mad, like really mad at the same time, took it out of my parents in my head for a little bit, took it out of my husband. I was, I was realizing that the basis of the book is 
you tell the truth all the time. It seems like a simple thing. And for me, it wasn't that I consciously lie about things. I used to in high school, college, I was a huge liar, lied about everything. It was more the withholding. So I am a classic peacekeeper brought up as like, I, I kept the family together. I was the glue. I, I really almost felt like a puppeteer. Like I would know if I said this to this person and told them to do that, the other person would be happy. And like, no one even really knew that I was holding the strings. So when I started to stop doing that, or I stopped doing that, then things kind of crumbled around them because no one knew that I was doing that. And in this peacekeeper role, I was really lying to myself and therefore to others because I wasn't ever saying what I wanted or needed for me. And therefore any information was based on like, how will this come across? Will this person like me if I say this? And I was like morph, you know, chameleon morph into what it was that I thought they would like. And in the process, I realized I was doing all these things to essentially avoid rejection. So I had it in my head, Lisa, <laughs> as it turns out, this isn't how it works. But what I had was if you keep a big old list of things that other people do to you, right? If you get this big long list of resentments and the, the checklist is much longer of all the bad things they've done, then when I mess up, because I will, I'm human, they won't be upset with me. They mm -hmm. won't reject me. They won't resent me. And so I played that game of building up the list, mostly towards my husband. And that became our dance and his role. So his role was to be guilty and feel guilty and do the shame guilt dance. And mine was to always have uh, the list. So when I was reading this book, I knew, I knew there was something up up with between my husband and I, it's been hard to explain because really in the last three years, he retired from the military. He's home with me. I work from home. He does everything. He drives the kids. He grocery shops. He cooks for us. Like, it's amazing. We, we play a board game every day. We, we're really connected. We walk every day. And there was just like something missing. Mm. This feeling, this it's now I it's love. Now I know it's like neither of us actually could feel, give or receive love. And it was based on all of this withholding of information on both sides. He withheld when I read the book, I said, oh my gosh, I bet he's not being honest with me because I have this checklist of all the bad things he's ever done. So He's not going to come to me if he's even a little bit upset with something or has a resentment because he knows I'm going to win the checklist battle. So in a way, he's then withholding just how he really feels. And I had some things that just I hadn't been honest about. And he had had an affair six years ago that I knew about and we had worked through and we had done a lot of work around. And at that time, our he said something to me along the lines of there's, you know, there's more I need to tell you. And I said, I don't totally remember this, which is the amazing filter of the brain. Mm -hmm. I said, I cannot handle any more information thinking it was just more details that I didn't really need. I got, I got the picture. <laughs> I got it right. Let's we're moving on. We're going to work through this, which we had decided we would. 
we both were fully willing to do the work. We both, he has tons of early childhood trauma and was willing to work on it. I was willing to work on all my codependency, all my people pleasing side of the street. So we were both really willing to work on it. And at the same time, he, you know, we found, he came out that he was also an alcoholic. So we went to rehab. So we had this full thing where we had worked through that. And yet there was more mm. and the more made it so that in the day to day, even though this information was all before, it was all before the affair and it was all in our early years of marriage, the the details from that information was eating him alive. I mean, he actually said he thought he would have to take it to his grave because I had said, don't tell me. And he was honoring that. And he's been going to retreats and coaches and therapy and all the things for the last five years to, he decided, well, then I just have to forgive myself for what I did. <laughs> and that was how he was working on it. And when I was reading this book, I didn't even know that this was what was happening exactly. I didn't know what he was withholding. I knew I withheld at a core level because I was taught very like right or wrong, right? Like you, you do well in school, you you get the good grades, you do well in sports, you, this is how it works. So therefore, if you're not in that, in that category, it's kind of like you either lie about it or you're going to go against the grain, which is not the peacekeeper, right? That's, so I would just lie about it. And I knew as soon as I read it, I knew that we, we, there was, we just needed to actually be open and do this, like share and do this process. So I came to him with, I would like to just fully dump the bucket and share everything. And he had not read the book yet. And he's like, this sure feels like a trap. <laughs> I can understand why he would think that if you were the list keeper. Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. And um, I don't know. He agreed. And I he I asked him later, knowing what he then shared. I was like, I cannot believe you agreed. He said, I was not going to give up that chance because it was eating him alive. And he's like, I really didn't know. I thought you might leave me over this, which was really hard because it's it's such a weird dynamic because we're in a good place finally. And he was willing to tell me and whatever happened, happened with the potential to be in an amazing place. If we could get through that, we could we could get through anything. And so um, we 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 made guidelines. I said, I, I don't know what you're going to tell me. Um, do you trust that I have the tools and the resources and that I'm do you, do you believe that I'm willing to work through whatever it is? And he's like, yeah, I think you are. And I think you do. So he. So we did the process. He dumped the bucket. I dumped the bucket. And it was the first day it was actually like super, super connecting. Lisa, it was the weirdest thing ever because we, we went out and had a date after and we were both kind of like, <laughs> this is weird. You're not mad. And I was like, I, I'm not mad. I just, so many things made sense now. Like all the things I had been questioning, because I think that was my big, you'll really resonate with this, Lisa. The biggest thing for me was 
questioning my intuition all along, right? Like timelines of things that happened where my brain and body said, something's not right. And so I had confirmation that that was correct because when I'd ask at the time, of course, it was, you know, it was a lie. And that actually really helped me understand that I wasn't crazy. Our bodies have so much wisdom. And this has been part of, uh, you know, my journey this year is really recognizing that my body was speaking to me all mm. along and it was loud and clear. And I mean, at one point, and there's, we know that there's nuances and layers to this. So I just want to be a disclaimer, right? Like there's also hormones that are involved in things yeah. and stuff, right? Like it's not just like a one, st- uh, one shot. And I don't know if you know, but I just recently had my implants taken out mm. like two and a half weeks ago or so too. So lots of things can cause different symptoms, but I literally remember saying to myself, cause my eyes were so dry, couldn't see most of the time. And I was like, what am I not seeing like, mm-hmm. what am I not seeing here? Because wow. I knew, I knew that there was something deeper that was going on that I wasn't connecting with, but I didn't, like, I was not ready to see. I, that's the truth of it. I was not ready to see. I was not ready to admit what was going on. So, you know, in my own relationship, this radical honesty, I knew my husband was struggling. I call him my husband. We're not married, but, you know, 17 years or something, we're sunk costs at this point. I just, um, but I knew that there was stuff going on. I knew he wasn't okay. I knew that he was in a lot of pain and suffering. And there came a point where I really thought that I was going to be burying him. Mm. Like I really thought that, you know, one day I was going to get a call that, that, you know, he'd taken his life because he was really, really suffering. And being that I live with such a big open heart, right? So you're the peacekeeper. I'm the like, I don't know what I would call myself, but I never want to kick a man when they're down. I totally believe in possibility. I believe in transformation. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to do this work. And even though there were things that were disconnected in our relationship, I wasn't prepared to kick him when he was down. And I just trusted he would find his way. But it really came back to, you know, I can look back on the years before and see so clearly the signs that I wasn't prepared to see. And, and I also believe that, you know, even with you and your husband's journey, right, you, that was true for you at the time, you weren't ready to hear any more, any more information. It wasn't, it would, it would have shut you down. But this was the time for you guys to learn this and to step into this and create this radical honesty in your relationship so that you can create better. Because I do believe that some of the the healthiest and best and most extraordinary relationships literally had to walk through the fires of hell to create that because we have these beliefs about what relationships are. You grow up, you meet the guy, you get married, you have a couple kids, you kiss each other. Good morning. You kiss each other. Good night. You share the tasks, the roles you, you know, and you just tick the boxes of life. But along the way, it's like you, you stop forgetting the the work that is actually required to, to build a successful and connected relationship. And if you and I ran our businesses, at least I can speak for me. If I ran my business in the way I was showing up in my relationship, 
Like, no wonder my relationship wasn't successful. Like my business wouldn't be successful either, but I wasn't mm. putting as much time and dedication and commitment, both of us, right? Like I had my blind spots, he had his blind spots and, you know, he got to where he needed to get to exactly at the right time when he needed to get there. So I'm curious now, you guys have taken off your rings you're at ground zero as well. Welcome to ground zero. You guys have kids. You're beginning again. What now has changed for you now that you've really like, now that all the cards are out on the table, how do you, how are you guys beginning again? Yeah, I think so. This was such a painful lesson, Lisa, that the thing I was doing to protect other people for all these years, I think the peacekeeping thing, that not only did it not protect or help them, it led to resentment for me, resentment for them, and 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 true pain. Like I, I'm gonna say I allowed this thing for like 15 years. So it it's actually reached the level of pain where I I am like no more. I the p the mask the peacekeeper mask is gone. I mean it's. It, every single person I've had a conversation with since has gotten the truth. My dad called me on my birthday, didn't know he's going to have this conversation, right? It's like in a very kind way I'm delivering, but more of like how I'm actual actually feeling because I'm like, if this, I was doing it to help other people and protect people and it was ca causing pain. It actually caused pain. And, and I was doing it in another area of life where I almost lost that person to suicide. So it, it wasn't working anywhere. And it was so extreme that, you know, like you said, ground zero, this is done. I said, I said to my husband, I said, I am good. He said, I am good with anything in the past. I do feel like we can overcome that. And what is in the past is in the past. What I'm not okay with though, is from here on, I'm not willing to do mediocre and I'm not willing to not be honest. And, you know, when we did this dump the bucket the first day, he was like nervous and he was like, gosh, I'm just, I'm worried I didn't think of something. And what if I think of something else? Like, is this my one chance mm. like this time right now to tell you? And I was like, no, like, I want, I want to live like this every day. I want it to be real time. Like, Hey, I just looked at that person in a way that it's probably making me a little uncomfortable. And I want to tell you, like, I want to bring this day to day. And he just started bawling, like the relief on his face. Cause he had hidden so much stuff from himself that he did know there was more. And we did a part two on the next day. And there was a lot more, which was amazing. Right. That I mean, his brain was like, this is the level that's safe today. And then he's testing, like, is, is this actually what she says? And then, you know, we had, we had a part two and a part three. And now we're ever since we've had something every single day, because I can hear things in his voice now that I couldn't hear before. Mm. Like I could hear anger or resentment. And I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 let's talk about that. And we've gotten into these like really deep conversations about like his purpose or my business or when I travel, things that he would have never said before because, you know, who is he to bring up something like that? So it's opened up this, these conversations. He was being really, really hard on himself because as you can imagine, if you dump everything you've ever done for the last 18 years in one day, 
you know, and they're not great. You're not going to feel great about yourself. Right. Like it was a, it was a lot. A he massive vulnerability hangover. Yes. Not. I mean, he was even like, Oh, like to himself. And and same thing happened to me. Cause that's what we did when we did the process. We essentially shared anything that we felt like was a lie any, any, or anything that we had shame or guilt about still. So anything, I, anything I could think of, even from before I met him that I just still had that ick feeling around, we just dumped it. And that was a lot. <laughs> uh, and his coach, he was, he's meeting with his coach and he's beating himself up. And, you know, he's like, I can't believe I did this to her. Like she's like, she didn't, didn't come in with the trauma. I came in with the trauma. He's like, I caused all of her trauma. Like it started with me. So he had all this guilt around that. And this is not true. I'm definitely a part of the dance. So <laughs> fully attracted that. I know that. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, he had all this guilt and his coach is like, dude, this was, this was like six versions of you ago. Like this stuff is not you now. So why don't you, uh, why don't you guys consider something to really like burn that old identity or drop, bury that old identity, whatever, some kind of ceremony, because you need to stop living in that. Like, great. You shared it. Great. You know, everyone have their emotions about it, process how you need to take your time. And when you're ready, like, just drop that. So we, we went camping for a night and we rode out on, a, on boards, just everything we wanted to drop and everything we wanted to let go of. And we just had a burning ceremony and it was I love that. such a cool process. Yeah. So that really did feel like we burned it and we, we camped the first night and then our kids actually came the second night and they were like, what'd you do? And I just kind of vaguely said, Oh, we burned, we burned our old identities. And they're like, well, we want to do that. So the kids got boards and they wrote stuff on it that they no longer wanted. And it became a really cool process that all of us, you know, all of us played into it. So basically we're meeting now new, we're meeting as new identities. I don't know what we're going to do, Lisa, as far as, you know, what it looks like for a new commitment or will I get a ring? I don't really know. We're just kind of Playing around with that, one thing that's been really helpful is he's stepping a lot more into the masculine. And I am really wanting to be stepping, you know, getting more into my feminine. So resonate with that. He took on, and I said, that's what I said. I said, from here on, I just, you're going to be the container. I need you to lead it. I'm good with letting go of the past and I'm ready for you to lead this. I don't know what it would look like, but you come up with it. So he came up with the camping. He had set it all up. I got there and everything was already there and set to go. And he had just everything I needed. So really just take taking charge of that and doing at least the part he can. And um, we don't know, we're going to, we're going to somehow meet at this with these new identities and decide from here. So there's a couple of really important things that you touched on that I want to kind of flesh out more that I think are are important, especially for the women who listen to my podcast. Um, I don't personally recommend just radical honesty without making sure you aren't fully supported. So you and your husband have both been doing a lot of work over the years. So you knew what you needed to be supported. I also know that, you know, me and my hubby, we are surrounded by the people that we need to support ourselves because when you get into things like radical honesty, and if you get triggered, 
you need to know that you've got people there that can support you, that can work you through the stories and stuff that are coming up. So that was the first thing. The second thing is this often women, especially women, we come with our own wounds, our partners come with wounds, but my women typically get into being the peacekeepers and the overfunctioners and the controllers and the overdoers as a way of feeling safe because their partners aren't necessarily safe because their partners aren't really stepping into their masculine, right? So their partners typically end up being in a place like your husband. They've done something, they feel bad, they feel shame. So now we go into our patterns as women wanting to be kind of domineering, but not yep. like, you know, not domineering, but we do it in ways like pleasing or being the peacekeeper. It's our way of kind of maintaining control of the Controlling the environment control mm -hmm. the environment. So one of the most challenging things for me, and this is something I've been working on for years now and going deeper into it is really recognizing how important it is to be with a partner who is willing and ready to step into their masculine so that you can feel safe in your body. They can feel safe because it's a safety both ways. We're always mm -hmm. reading each other's nervous system so that I can sink into my feminine more. That's a healthier place for me to be in. And if I'm in my masculine traits, that's actually a symptom for me of there's something not right here. My body's trying to tell me that there's something going on. So I love that you are allowing yourself to also surrender into that because when you've been in this role of like leading in the relationship, even not really understanding what it is you're leading, but leading, yeah, it's a big deal to let go and surrender and allow your partners to step into that role. Yeah. Cause when you do the checklist thing, then you have to always decide whether I'm worthy of asking for something, right? Like, are there enough things on my side of the checklist that it's okay to ask? And I used his affair as like a, Oh, okay. Well now I can ask for anything I want. So yeah. after that for life, yeah, that was when I finally was like, and you will pay the mortgage and you will do these things, but from a very like controlling, <laughs> here's the things, right? So I remember people saying to me, how did you get your, how'd you convince your husband to let your kids go to this Montessori school, private school, right? Like, and I'm like, convince my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell them what we were doing. Line them up, <laughs> you know? Like it wasn't even a concept to me no. because that's how the much the walls were built up of just like the separateness. And, and that was my safety of just like, we will be separate and I will protect myself. And I really didn't even realize, like, I'm amazed seeing as I help people with this stuff all the time. I am amazed the shit I hid for myself. Like it was. Oh, Megan, like this year. I was like, wow, I had no, like it's, and it's so humbling as a coach when this yes. is your work and you come face to face with areas yes. that you're so blind to, it actually impacted my confidence. Like it really rocked me for a while. Me like too. how can I be doing this work when I'm like knee deep in it? But as I said to you before we started recording, there's so much of my work that I was able to really appreciate and be proud of that. Like I was showing up in the exact way that I would coach my clients and also giving myself grace to be human. Like I am not above it. And I think sometimes people look at coaches or mentors and think that we're above 
these like human experiences are getting our asses handed to us, or we're not going to find blind spots anymore. And nothing could be further from the truth. And what I say is like, if you, if you find a coach who seems like they always have their shit together, you need to run in the opposite direction. That is not safe. I never want to be coached by somebody who feels like they've mastered everything because to me, that's a level of self-deception that, uh, yeah, just doesn't work. Well, the mentors, mentors tend to fall off the pedestal after a while, right? Cause you get close and then you, and they didn't, I don't think they even put themselves on the pedestal, no. but you assume they're in that role. And, and I said to some clients after this, I was like, I don't know. I don't even know if you want to keep working with me. I mean, <laughs> this is a total disaster and I was in it and they understood and the feedback since it's just, they feel how true it is. So I'm working with a voice coach right now. And she basically is like, Megan, it doesn't matter what you say. It's just the sound and the frequency is going to come through. It's your true level of sound when, when it's, when it's honest, like, and I don't mean honest, like you're like the kind of things they're talking about, but just like when you're speaking and it is like really, truly you. So when I was speaking and saying really, truly, I, I don't feel like I know anything right now. I really do feel like all my questioning everything. The clients could feel how true that was. So it didn't matter what I was actually saying. They're like, oh no, we're even more on board. I'm like, I, I this know. is blowing my mind. I've been peacekeeping for, I'm 42 years old, Lisa. Man, see, I've, I've never been a peacekeeper. I've always been the shit disturber. And let me tell you, it's just as hard being on that side mm. because everybody's always annoyed for something you're saying or doing or mm. whatever. Um, but, you know, I've been practicing radical self-honesty with myself, even though I still get blindsided by like, wow, I didn't see that. But I have been practicing radical honesty with myself, with my clients for as long as I can remember, like when my journey first started, when my, my hubby went to rehab, right? Like I had to unlearn all of this stuff around, um, putting on that perfectionist mask and learning how to feel my feelings. So I feel if I'm not sharing something, I feel out of integrity with my work, which has actually been what has is part of what has been so challenging this year because I'm not ready to share everything mm -hmm. that's going on, nor do I owe it to anybody to share. And I probably will one day because that's just who I am. But that's been part of it for me is feeling like I'm not telling the truth because I'm not sharing everything, mm -hmm. but at the same time going, well, that's not true either, Lisa. Like, because you're telling the truth to the people who matter and I'm talking, like, I'm not hiding it. Right? I'm not hiding right. it from my people, my clients understand and know what's going on. Um, so even that, like we get to determine who is worthy and deserving of our honesty as well. Just because you decide to practice radical honesty doesn't mean that you owe that to every single person in your world. So I think that that's also um, important to mention, but man, it's so much lighter when you just tell the truth about everything and also understand like you're still going to find things that you're totally shitting yourself about it kind of felt like was it really this easy yeah it's a weird thing to say and I know that's just with my husband because we're both in this and we're both you know we're both totally on board because I'm very aware I've had some other conversations when it's one-sided right it's not someone who's into transformation you don't, don't quite know what to say because of their their you don't know what they have for tools so I know it's different 
you know, in the situation I am in with him. Um, and so far, every conversation I've had has just been super connecting and eye-opening. And and as I'm sharing honesty, people, it's coming back to me as well, right? I'm I'm getting more things mirrored back, which mm-hmm. I realized was a fear that I, I guess a fear that I wouldn't be able to handle criticism because if you're the peacekeeper, then my brain says, well, I have to take in everything everybody says, and then I have to do that thing. But if you take in everything everybody says, you know, at some point you're going to have contradictory. (laughs) That's right. And you lose your identity. You don't know who you are because you're just trying to be versions of yourself to make everybody else happy and to keep the peace with everybody else, which is exhausting. And yes, you know, when you're just doing everything to make everybody else happy, they're not living in reality either. Yes. You've created this reality for them that is not true. Um, and often it can render people like in this place of helpless, helplessness, mm-hmm. learned helplessness. Because when you've done everything to make sure everybody's happy and now they're on their own to find their own happiness and figure stuff out on their own, often they don't know even know how to start because somebody's been managing that for them behind the scenes without them even realizing it. So it's really exciting for me to hear that you've dropped that because you're going to have so much more time and so me much too. energy. How does that change how you're parenting now? Well, I've had a bunch of conversations with the kids. Um, there was an interesting, it's just, I'm looking at everything differently. And obviously I'd already been thinking through like my parenting and what beliefs I'm putting on them just from the work I do. I've, you know, I'm often thinking about that, but the idea of like kind of teaching kids, not teaching, teaching kids to lie or withhold in a way of, of like how we are suggesting they do or don't do things like small, small example is my daughter who's, you know, turning eight on Christmas. She uh, wanted to text a friend. She said, mom, I want to have a play date with so-and-so. And I'm like, okay. She goes, but I want to go to his house. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. She goes, so I want to text his mom and ask if I can come over. And so my, you know, inside I'm like, okay, I don't know this family that well. Like, it's not like a, you know, we do that with other people. And in my mind, this was not safe to, to do that. So I'm like, okay. I was like, well, Paige, um, you know, we could invite him over. I don't know if I feel comfortable, like asking, you know, just asking for you to go there. And, um, you know, it's just like, I don't know if I said it's rude, but that what I'm thinking is, well, it's rude to ask. And she's like, why? And I was like, that's a really valid question. I I'm like, okay, I have to think about this. Is this rude to ask? I mean, I'm going to tell her now, like, don't ask to go to your friend's house. But when you want a job, you need to go ask and you need to go after the thing you want. And when you want a partner, like, definitely ask for what you want. It's like, but now it's not okay to ask. And I was like, huh, all right, well, here we go. Paige is teaching me again. So I said, you know what, go ahead. Just, just text. You, you may ask. And, uh, they can say no. And one of the things Lisa is like, I, cause I'm like, what is this? And it's like, well, as the peacekeeper, I am literally thinking about this other mom is going to not want to say no and say yes, and then be resentful or somehow, you know, think, oh, I'm a horrible parent who doesn't have manners. And I posted about this on social media and someone did get upset and said, 
It's called manners. Don't ever do that. And so that, you know, there's people who believe in that, um, structure. Right. So I was like, you know, my whole fear of kicked out of the tribe, my whole body's like going into it. And of course she just says, hi, this is Paige. Could I come over and play? And the mom's like, sure. <laughs> come on over Paige. Not a big deal. <laughs> it's exhausting trying to micromanage other people's responses or reactions <laughs> to things. Like we just can't. And I have to work from the place of, well, they might react in this way, but if they're not going to be a grown adult and say, no, it's not my job, unless they're a paying client, it's not my job to support them th through their discomfort. And if they're slinging mud at me behind the scenes, again, it's, it's none of my business. It's none of my business. What other people think or feel about me. All I can do is show up and do my best and like high five to your dog. We, our kids are so much more like a oh, conscious they are. than we are. Like, it's really, really amazing. They say so, so much more advanced. Right. So I, we know I went and I looked up that night. I went and I looked up manners because I was thinking about this. I was like, is that manners just to not ask? You know, I was thinking about it and there was like three, um, pillars of manners and it said was what was respect mm -hmm. consideration and honesty so it was like respect refraining from demeaning someone else consideration um having empathy for another person and then honesty telling the truth and right. like i don't i don't think you know because the the person who responded on my side she's like i really hate when kids text me i think it's rude and i said so you don't want to feel <laughs> You know, you don't want to feel guilty for just saying, I don't want you to come over, right? Like, the, just want to remove the 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 interaction of having to you would be the bad guy. Way. If you would behave this way, then I don't yeah. feel the way I feel. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Actually, I don't think that, I don't think that falls into that definition of manners. Um, no, no manners would be, I'm coming over at two o'clock to play, yeah. right? Yeah. Like just assuming okay. that everything would be good, but Right. By just Versus, asking, yeah, can, can I? Am, yeah, is it okay? You ask the person, they have an opportunity to say no, but so many people struggle with saying no, because then they've got all the stories around saying no. I mean, we could talk about all this stuff for hours, the behaviors that people get into. And so often I forget because I'm surrounded by women like you. My You're clients, used to very people that are more conscious and they're working on these things. I forget that probably 90% of the population is not. And they're still in that place. And because of that, I'm always going to be received differently. I'm going to continue to grow and change because that's the only way as you're learning with your husband, as I'm learning with mine, that's the only way to create an extraordinary life. Mm -hmm. Truly. So going back to your husband now, right? So we're at ground zero. What do you believe are the three most important things for your relationship to stay this deeply connected moving forward? honesty mm -hmm. honesty piece which leads to connection um let's see what am i gonna choose so many right i know um i mean communication is what comes to my mind it, it's more than just verbal it's it's like we are actually allowing each other to 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 see each other in a different way right so it's kind of like i can hear i can see on his face and i'll say hey you had a little you had an, a little look with the eyebrows there so 
no longer pretend because I would say that kind of stuff and he would just be like, oh, it's nothing, right? And we're no longer doing that. He'll just be like, well, this is actually what went through my head. I think this, a lot of people are like this honesty thing. It's like, it can hurt people. And I do, I do feel like what you say and people having tools and how it's said. And I'm also really big into nonviolent communication. So like, what are their values and needs, how it's spoken? The thing is, is the way we've been doing it though, is if you're, if you're sharing honestly, like all the thoughts, all the process that's going on in your head, it's a little different, right? Because what I'm just trying to think of like, like something that you could say that would just be mean. If you're just like, I hate your shirt, Lisa, or I don't know, like if it's just something drag and if it's that, but what if it's like, gosh, I'm really having a reaction to this. And then I'm feeling really guilty because um, what you're wearing has nothing to do with me. And now that I think about it, it's actually because I'm really jealous that you will just wear things that are like, that you stand out or your pet, like the actual thought process, like getting into like, what was it about that thing that bothered me? And once you've shared that, all that that's going on in your brain, most of the time people are like, okay, cause it's not an attack on them. No, but it, it's interesting. We had something that happened just the other day. This is a really interesting, it was one of those moments where it happened so quickly. The trigger was so strong. And then, you know, he had to walk away and debrief. And then we came back together and he was able to articulate what was going on for him. I've been watching um, somebody's wedding stuff on uh, social media. It was beautiful, gorgeous, right? Like I'm a sucker for a, a beautiful wedding, right? And having called mine off. And again, really like reframing, why is this important to me? Is it important to me? What part mm-hmm. of me is attached to this? Blah, 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 blah. Anyways, it was, it was beautiful, right? And I was just, so you got to see this video. It's like gorgeous, right? So he's watching this with me and then he started laughing. And I literally was like, what are you like? What about this is funny for you? Like we called off our wedding this year. I'm showing you this video. It's beautiful. Da da da. And he just was like, well, you know, they're doing it for social media and da da da. And I'm like, no, they had a beautiful wedding. They're in love. Da da da. And they've shared it. Like, it's not to get likes and comments. (laughs) Right. Like I have a very, like, I think sometimes people do stuff like that on social media. And sometimes people are just genuinely sharing these amazing Mm -hmm. events in their life. He went off, he came back and was able to say to me, you know, that was me reacting to the part of me that was jealous because I wanted that. I want that. And we're just not, we're just not there. Like that's Mm -hmm. not where we're at, but it's taken us so much work to be able to communicate in those, in those ways and to come back and reflect, like what is actually really happening for you in this moment? And I had to really look at like, why was I so defensive in the moment? And there's that part of me that is still really grieving the things that didn't go the way I had planned. And that's Mm. part of grief, right? And this whole letting go process. It's not just you move your attention and things disappear. You have to be willing to like grieve and you will be able to let go of things, but you know, everything takes time. Some things take longer than others. Um, but just a real powerful moment in, in our relationship about the things that we are committed to moving forward to, to consciously create what we want. And it, it is like having those conversations, things can't be left hanging. So you can go away and process. So can I, but we can't leave it. We have to come back and, and debrief. That is such an important thing for us mm-hmm. and staying in the room with each other. Uh, when either of us are in grief or shame 
or frustration, right? Like not, not leaving the person because we are also trying to create this connectedness and feeling of safety. Well, if every time you walk away when your partner is upset, that's not creating a feeling of safety. So these are all new things for us. Like even for me, allowing myself to be angry. Cause like I said, I'm the person that doesn't want to kick anybody when they're down. Yeah. I would rather go into sadness than anger. Most people want to stay in anger because it's an easy mm. option. Not for me. I'd rather go into grief and sadness. So being able to stay in anger, but also allowing him to feel crappy. Right. Instead of that part of me that would want to show up and like make him feel better. Right. That's not actually my job. His job is to make himself feel better. So it's been a really interesting dance. Yeah. I love that you brought up the like staying with the person because I think this is the power of having so many different tools. Do you know TRE, the trauma release exercises? Essentially, you just let your, it's a shaking, the shake response. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Your knees go, yeah. So that has been really powerful because both of us are bought into this. We both do it separately for ourselves when we need to, as we were having physical, I mean, he was like actually full body shaking the second day that he shared. Like, so I said, Hey, let's go do some TRE. So because that's a normal thing in our household, it's, you know, if, cause sometimes it's just like the physical body is so flushed that you can't really have a conversation. You know, it's I'm like, I am just foveal on the problem. This is not going anywhere. So we'll, we'll go stop and do that. I have a little shake it off playlists. And we just do that. If either we'll do it together or he'll sit there and just hold the space. And anytime I do this shaking, I just, I definitely cry and release. It's a huge release for me. And often my teeth will chatter and the whole body will go crazy. And then it's, it's gone and he'll do the same thing. So we're holding space, but no, you're not really necessarily doing anything. You're, you're sitting there for the person, but it, it, it doesn't put it, it's not put at them. No. And, and that's a skill that so many people, you know, if you're listening, you're going to want to learn to learn this is that you can witness somebody having their emotions without needing to fix it for them or feel it for them, right? Just letting them have their experience. And we've been so programmed to, to fix other people's feelings, or we've been told that we need to take it on. And when you can powerfully just be present with your partner and allow them to be where they're at and say, I'm here without taking it on, without trying to fix it, that is so healing and creates such a a sense of safety. But so many of us don't know how to do that because when we're witnessing somebody else in powerful emotions, whether it's, you know, shame or fear or crying or whatever it may be, we don't, we don't know what to do with our own emotions in that moment. So I always call these, you know, the don't pass the Kleenex moment, like just let them be there. Don't pass Mm. the Kleenex. It's so powerful. Um, I was afraid of, uh, you know, I was afraid of other people's anger kind of as, so as I'm probably just afraid of my own, right. That's why I couldn't handle theirs. So when the piece, you know, and that was one thing we've talked about, I was like, okay, instead of just letting him have his anger or his emotion, anger specifically, I would quickly go to a reframe, which of course does not feel good for the other person. And, uh, you know, I'm classic devil's advocate. So people around me are like, okay, you know, so he he wouldn't come to me with that because he knew I would, and I was doing it really to protect me because in my mind, I'm like, okay, 
if he escalate, if I escalate, it's going to escalate him. So instead of going with him, right, I don't want to complain with him, even though if he's complaining about a neighbor that maybe I would have been complaining about, as soon as he complains, my brain goes, no, they're not that bad. It's like immediate, like, no, that's not what they meant. I'm sure it was something else. It's like, I got to bring it down, not consciously, right? But this was automatic. Whereas if I'd been alone, I might've been like, that guy's a jerk. Right. Right. This is, this is some of the trap of personal development too, is yes. we get really good at being able to shift our perspective, find ways yes. to win. And like, this is happening for me and all that stuff that yes. we actually use it to bypass what we're feeling instead of just saying, you know what, I'm going to be fucking angry for 10 minutes. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm just going to let it rip. And then I'm going to come back to center or whatever it is. It can be, it can be quite toxic being in all this self-development too, right? So there's always this like both and I love my tools. And I've also had to realize like, okay, Lisa, there's a lot of value in just letting yourself be. Yeah. Too. Just be and pissed, like, be angry, yes. be sad. Yeah. Right. Angry. And like I said, I'm really good at sad, the anger, not so much. And that's still going to be something that uh, I'm exploring. I think I'm going to go to a, like a smash it room. Have you ever heard of these? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, so in our NLP, like in our seven day trainings, we do the big six. So anger, sadness, hurt, fear, guilt, shame. And we work with, we end up having mostly women and anger is one often that people will actually say, I don't do it, or I can't do it. Or, or there's some people who believe like they need anger to protect them, like, which is different than fight or flight. But so we have to kind of reframe on that. But we've had, we've used things. I have had to do some crazy things to help people get in their anger. I do get their permission up front. I'm like, do you want this? Am I willing to go there? And um, we've had some interesting interactions in the backyard, breaking stuff, throwing stuff. I've instigated stuff, tried to get one girl to eat cookies because she had not eating any sugar. And of course that was the most triggering. So, you know, it was like, what, what would get her there? Right. Like just getting really, really creative with her permission. Of course, this is not, I don't just go around making people angry because she knew she'd be able to let go it, let, let go of it once she got into it. And she finally like really got into it and was just like punching the pillow I had and we're breaking stuff. And, um, it was really, really cool to see, I mean, yeah. such a big physical release. Yeah. Cause it's, a, it's when you can move that emotion through your body and out of your body and you're not trapped by it anymore. And people mm -hmm. don't really understand how often they're trapped in their emotions. Cause they're like, I don't, I don't have those emotions. <laughs> it's like, you, mm -hmm. you, you're just trapped mm -hmm. and then you don't even realize. Anyways, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> we could just go on and on and on. Um, but we should probably wrap up. Yes. I think we've been talking for, you know, about 60 minutes now. So can you tell me about your training that's coming up where people can find out about it? Cause I know you've got one coming up in January, I believe, right? January. Yes. So we have a two day, this is a um, habit transformation accelerator, a two day event in person. So it's in Virginia beach, Virginia. So if anyone wants to come out, this is where I live. And we January 19th, 20th, we are going to essentially drop limiting beliefs that are stopping you from the habits you want, install the new ones that you want. And then we're really going through habits step-by-step -step through all the four bodies. We're looking at the physical part of it, mental, the emotional, the energetic, like what is actually keeping you from the habit versus the habit stacking, which we love, but just the, you know, put the shoes by the door, just much more from an identity level of why we're doing what we're doing. 
That's amazing. And we're going to end with a really cool sound healing guy comes to lock it all in and set some amazing goals. So for anybody who's interested, we're going to do a giveaway too here on the podcast. So leave a review on Lisa's amazing podcast and put hashtag zesty. And if you want to take a screenshot, you can send it to Lisa or send it to um, our Instagram is becoming zesty, send it over to us and we will pick a winner to get a free ticket to our two day event. We would love to have you join us. It's a super fun container. It's just a little, a little snippet of like what our seven day trainings are like. Amazing. So is this for anybody or is this mostly for coaches, practitioners, helpers, healers? Anyone is welcome. The majority of the people that we end that end up attracting are what you just said, coaches, practitioners, healers, or potentially interested in becoming a coach or have a strong desire. We'll have people want to learn it for, you know, their family or leadership of some area of their life, right? You're leading a family or you're leading in your community is usually who, who ends up coming. Well, I love the work that you're doing. I'm so glad we had this conversation. These are my favorite conversations to have where we just go down whatever rabbit hole and just really keep it real and honest. So I really appreciate you being so open and vulnerable about what's going on in your life. It's definitely been healing for me as well. You know, like a mentor, both of ours from back in the day, Jim Fortin, right? He says, what's most, uh, what's most personal is most general. It's mm-hmm. always the case, right? Like it's, yes. it's always the case when we talk about our stuff, there's somebody that's going to resonate and there needs to be more warriors like you and me out on the interwebs, keeping it real, real and, and sharing <laughs> what life is really like, not the it's very real Instagram, right now, <laughs> not the Instagram version because yes, things are <laughs> over here too, but you know, congratulations to you and your husband. I wish you guys nothing but joy and happiness together and uh, a really phenomenal relationship. That's what, Oh, we did share. So I had, my husband came on our podcast last week. So if anyone wants to hear his part, his side of it, um, that's amazing. And it's becoming, becoming zesty zesty is the podcast podcast as well. And of course you can catch Megan over at her website as well, becoming zesty.com forward slash January. That's where the details about this, this workshop are as well. Yep. Forward slash J A N J A N. Yep. Perfect. Thanks so much, Megan. Thank you, Lisa. Pleasure. And I will catch everybody else on the next episode.